Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had a fascinating conversation this week with Fedor Antonov of 3D printer manufacturer Anisoprint. We discussed how to kickstart the next industrial revolution, how 3D printing can emulate nature, and the difficulty of being a company that's come out of Russia. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is Fedor Antonov, the CEO of Anisoprint. His company makes the 3D printers that so many other companies are now using to make their own futuristic products and prototypes. Anisoprint's carbon fiber printers scale up from desktop to full industrial use and are at the forefront of modern mass production, as we will discuss. So Fedor Antonov, welcome to the show. Hi, hi everyone. Nice to be here and I'm very excited about sharing what we do and some insights on the industry and uh, basically the future of it and how we see it. Hopefully there's going to be useful and uh, some fruits for thought for the audience. Good stuff. Yes, I, I, I'm sure it will be. So let's start big. Uh, you claim that 3D printing and especially the composite carbon fiber system that your company uses has the potential to kickstart a new industrial revolution. Big talk. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, that's one of the most fascinating topics. So basically, uh there's been this uh, theory of different uh, industrial revolutions and uh, basically manufacturing paradigms. So that's what we're talking about. And we are currently living in the paradigm which was basically invented by Henry Ford. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a conveyor belt paradigm where we are building like gigafactories for manufacturing standardized products using multiple different uh, uh, technologies which are very, I would say, very particular for making certain stuff and this is how we make things now through uh, through gigafactories uh, and um, basically on a production line on a production line on a conveyor belt using like standard shapes and standard uh, different manufacturing technologies to put things together and uh, uh, 3d printing which basically was born like uh, several decades ago and originally for 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 the first i don't know 20 30 years it was uh, mostly for prototyping so for, for building prototypes it was not a means of uh, producing stuff yeah it was not a means of production and manufacturing and it was even called so there was a synonym rapid prototyping right. and that was what we had uh, till uh, the recent uh, big uh, hype of the early 10th of the um, um, of the century where 3d printing wanted to become bigger wanted to become a next big thing uh, uh, but with um, with a focus on uh, on uh, 
consumers. Like we thought 10 years ago that 3D printing is going to go to every home and uh, everyone could manufacture uh, stuff for for himself at home. But Mm -hmm. this was a hype and this didn't happen, but it gave a big push to the industry uh, and to companies and to like financing um, in this industry. So now 3D printing is evolving into a manufacturing technology and um, it has uh, several, several uh, major differences compared to the traditional approaches, uh, which both uh, have pros and cons. And, uh, but, uh, ultimately, ultimately everyone would agree that, uh, the benefits that 3d printing uh, or 3d printing technologies are offering are so, uh, are so big. And here we're talking about, uh, flexibility in manufacturing, different things like on-demand manufacturing. Uh, and it's, uh, a lot about uh, manufacturing complex shapes, which could be more optimal. So optimizing uh, the way uh, things are made in terms of material usage, material waste, and uh, basically making uh, things lighter and uh, more optimal. But uh, the problem here is that uh, 3D printing is uh, rather slow. Okay. Uh, so, uh, for the conveyor belt, for the pr- for the previous paradigm, and I know, and maybe you know that in like automotive, where uh, the the production batches are like in in millions, every technology t- t- to put it into a production line into a, a conveyor belt, every technological step should be maximum two minutes. So, if your production step is more than two minutes, there is no way you're gonna put it into automotive uh, production line because it has to be bump, 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 and then you put it on a, uh, on a line and, and this is how it goes. And uh, for, 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 and with 3D printing, you basically make the whole part like in one process, in one step with no, uh, ideally with no post-processing, no treatment, but this step is rather long. So it's not, uh, uh, suitable for for, uh, for 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 this kind of paradigm and this is the problem uh, and this is the problem in uh, adoption uh, of um, of 3d printing uh, one of the major problems so uh, the you know, we all agree that 3d printing are uh, so much better uh, c- uh, compared to traditional technologies in terms of the capabilities and uh, it's it's much more sustainable uh, in, in that. So if we want to go somewhere in manufacturing, if we want to do, if we want to have some changes towards a better uh, approach, then 3D printing or additive manufacturing is definitely the third way to go. But we can't do it the same way as we did it before with um, uh conveyor belt paradigm so uh the way how the paradigm should shift and this is i think the only way for 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 3d printing to scale is through what we call uh micro factories so uh the idea is that instead of 
having a one big gigafactory somewhere in China where you ship all kinds of uh, 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 components, blanks, whatever, from basically all over the world. And then there's a huge warehouse and logistics stand back and then basically ship products back. Uh, and this is how it works now. But with the micro factories and with 3D printing, and this is what 3D printing can do really good, you can have small, uh, maybe even mobile, like manufacturing cells or small factories in every smaller big neighborhood um, uh, where you can locally produce uh, uh, where you can uh, where you can produce stuff locally and uh, uh, with the flexibility of 3d printing you can produce it on demand you can make various things using the same equipment you can make it local and you eliminate lots of logistics and handling uh, but uh, yeah this is a different approach and uh, like for example like the futuristic example that i give now if you want to buy your car you want to order your car you're going to place an order for some factory if if you want something custom it's gonna especially these days uh, it's like months before you place an order it goes to the to the factory it's shipped back uh, to the dealer and then you pick it from your dealer. And with this paradigm, basically every dealer could have uh, a small factory on site where he can in, I don't know, in a week after you play, you pick your custom car uh, with uh, everything you want to uh, tune there. And then in a week, it's it's manufactured locally and it's serviced uh, locally and you have all the spare parts manufactured uh, on site on demand. So this is how it could look, or uh, this is the way 3D printing would really shine. Because uh, currently, uh, you know, there are dozens, if not hundreds of different 3D printing technologies and approaches. And basically uh, what most of them are doing, they're trying to fit uh, these technologies into existing paradigms. So basically trying to increase throughput, but uh, you will never get up to two minutes cycles anyway but they're trying to increase the throughput but still it's 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 competing in the domain where the 3d printing is is not uh, meant to be good uh, so and uh, this shift uh, this shift uh, would be a real a, a real uh, disruptive shift so uh, existing companies they won't be able to transit like that and uh, the only way here is that if the new companies, like new wave of hardware companies, new wave of manufacturing companies is coming, uh, bringing new products that are better, that are offering certain uh, s significant, uh, significantly new customer experience, in, uh, in, uh, uh, and then uh, they would be able to scale through this micro factories is that what i think so when you build something new you start pushing it into market and when you start scaling in an old paradigm you need to build a gigafactory invest in uh, hundreds of millions if not billions uh, into mm. building this facility and years and uh, then you would be compatible uh, you would be you you can compete yeah kind of right. uh, uh, but with with micro factories the scaling can be linear you can scale 
uh, with the smaller steps by introducing your uh, your products into new uh, markets uh, with uh, building with uh, uh, basically copy pasting <laughs> uh, these micro factories into different industries and then if this is going to be way better uh, in terms of customer experience and customer right, satisfaction right. compared to the old companies, then old companies will either force to change mm. uh, or die. Or die. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's an exciting prospect. But as you said at the beginning, um, 3D printing kind of first started being hyped with the idea of having a printer at home. You could print your dress for the evening or, you know, uh, a fruit bowl and, and you could sort of produce lifestyle wares. And that never really happened. How far away are we from this paradigm change you're talking about, these micro factories? It sounds amazing, but are, are we decades away? Uh, it's hard to say. I think we are decades away. Yeah. So, uh, everyone's saying that, uh, technological process is accelerating. It is, uh, but, uh, it's not, it's still not as fast. Yeah. Uh, especially in hardware, uh, uh, the, like most of the major innovations, which we had throughout the uh, past couple of decades were not in hard, well, they were in hardware as well, but it was driven by, uh, by IT, by, by, uh, internet, by software. So if you look, uh, like, uh, our cars or our, our, our trains or our, our airplanes are, that they didn't change that much since uh, the mid of last century. Yeah? But now we have computers and cell phones, uh, which are uh, kind of science fiction. Uh, sure. But these hardware innovations were driven by software. Uh, only these hardware innovations that were really pushed by the software demand and uh, the, the, the new market, the new IT market, uh, they really flourish, uh, and uh, like the major hardware, like space and uh, and automotive, they they didn't change that much, and they are much slower. They are much slower. Uh, so uh, um, I don't expect it to happen uh, within this decade, like at scale. But this decade will definitely. Uh, this is where it should start. Uh, either we we saw it changing. It's coming. It's coming. It's starting to evolve. Uh, th uh, the trend is not yet clear, so it's just it's just starting. We don't even see see like the trend. So uh, I hope that this decade we're gonna start seeing the trend, so that there'll be more companies who do micro factories, uh, more successful companies. And uh, if we see this trend, then uh, my, my it's actually assumption or hypothesis it sounds yeah. logical but uh, it's still it's still just the, the 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 idea we will see if it's gonna happen but i think that's the only way for for 3d printing to become big no it's actually not the only one uh, it's not the only one there is another one which is i think is uh, uh same way exciting but uh, it's a bit different perspective come on tell us tell us that then yeah, so uh, 3D printing uh, at every home, yeah, as we've discussed, was an idea mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, some years ago. But uh, 
it still can happen, but the other way. And uh, that's uh, uh, the idea which I heard from one of our customers, and that's uh, really so exciting. And basically, he told the story that uh, how the Swiss watches uh, uh, were uh, born, let's say, yeah, how it happened that Swiss make the best watch because um, they had all these uh, cows going into the fields uh, every day and uh, like hundreds of men were going to the mountains for for several days and they had nothing to do there uh, except of just watching cows which is not a big deal uh, and um, the guys in the cities who were making watches they were giving these guys a bag of blanks Okay, and they were sitting there in in the fields with the files and uh, cutting gears. All right, and then uh, they were getting back to the city with bags full of gears, uh, cheap gears, uh, and this is how they scale because that's that's extremely labor intensive manufacturing, uh, making all these gears, and they kind of crowdsourced that uh, mm. five hundred years ago. Fascinating. Uh, and uh, uh, this is how it works. And here the idea is that if uh, you can have a 3D printer at home connected to blockchain and you have a smart contract with a, a factory uh, and the factory has a million of such smart contracts with a million of guys uh, around and each would manufacture one simple part each would print one simple part and then ship it to the factory somehow. Then you can have like a million parts in one or two days wow. uh, if, if you can ship it. And then uh, through blockchain, you can handle the payments. So the manufacturer pays to the operator through the smart contract. Then uh, the machine manufacturer can also get paid through the same uh, smart contract so that the guy w uh, could uh, lease the, the the machine. Yeah, so he, he doesn't have to pay th for the machine. He, he, he can just uh, lease it through the smart contract from a manufacturer and the manufacturer will get paid when uh, the user prints and gets paid uh, from the factory. And this is kind of uh, the the distributed manufacturing approach, which is also yeah, it's uh, uh, it's also a, a different paradigm, and it sounds very exciting. Uh, I see uh, many more challenges for that to happen, <laughs> uh, but the idea I think is even more exciting. It's more challenging. A great uh, idea, yeah. as you say, inherently logical, but um, yeah, it, it does require a, a leap of imagination from from quite a lot of people, I suppose. Yeah. Remake Manufacturing is brought to you by Redfern Media, the digital agency for B2B manufacturers. We partner with B2B manufacturers to listen, think, create, and innovate. To find out more, head over to remakemanufacturing.com and sign up to the podcast, plus manufacturing marketing and technology insights. Now, back to the show. And, and let's let's get up to date then. So, you know, you've obviously got this vision, you have this uh, new approach. Uh, how has that been taking it to market? Ha, have you been able to persuade a lot of clients to come on board and, and, and move in this new direction? Yeah, so I think every new technology, especially manufacturing uh, technology, it goes through several uh, market adoption uh, steps. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, basically every... Every hardware technology was 
starting with uh, research. So the, our first customers were research institutions and universities who basically were sharing the same uh, vision, ideas, and they wanted to experiment and to show something new to, to, to create something new. And the technology was pretty immature in the beginning, because uh, if you look at the 3D printing, uh, the whole domain, so we had polymer printing since 80s. Yeah. Uh, we have metal printing since 90s. Uh, now we have a composite printing and the very first uh, uh, papers, scientific papers on composite 3D printing were just 10 years ago. So that's mm -hmm. the newest domain. Uh, uh, it's... Uh, 20 years younger than uh, anything else in 3D printing. Um, and it's just ramping up. Uh, and uh, we are fine. Uh, I say we, I mean us and our competitors. Uh, I won't call them competitors. I would call them uh, core, core, uh, uh, co-disruptors, I don't know. <laughs> so we are <laughs> disrupting the market together and we are growing the market together by finding new niches, new applications. And we have gone from R&D uh, to prototyping and functional prototyping because there is a difference between just, uh, uh, just prototyping and functional prototyping. So Functional prototyping is when you make a prototype of a real thing that has to operate under uh, real operating conditions. Yeah? It has to be uh, robust. Yeah? Uh, so you need strong uh, parts, uh, strong materials uh, uh, for, uh, for that. And then uh, uh, tooling, like tools and molds market is currently pretty big for 3D printing. Uh, and, uh, cause, the, uh, before this paradigm shift happens, yeah, we, we need to find opportunities for growth within existing paradigm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, so, and these opportunities are, are mainly where you need some unique parts. So, uh, 3D printing can't yet compete at high volumes because it, it's not meant to do high volumes. So that's why R&D, research, spare parts on demand, prototyping, functional prototyping, and tools, uh, these are like uh, uh, five most important market applications, market niches for, for, right. for, for 3D printing now. And that's uh, the phase you're in at the moment. And, and what kind of clients um, do you work with? Uh, so, uh, we have, of course, uh, universities and research centers, uh, it's a very good customers. They're very, uh, open and knowledgeable. And by having machines in universities, we also help the new generation of engineers to get exposed to that. Uh, and then when they graduate and that, then when they go to industry, they have more knowledge about this. Uh, and, uh, we are, uh, in the very beginning, that was the, uh, the majority of our customers. Now we are shifting more to the industry and in industry, we have, uh, again, three main segments. It's, uh, one segment, I call it a shop floor or a factory floor. So basically when, uh, yeah, there is a factory or a machine shop, with lots of different machinery, uh, traditional machinery, and they need uh, lots of tools uh, 
uh, to operate with this machinery, like jaws, fixtures, jigs, uh, everything, uh, which they need on demand on site uh, for uh, for operating. So basically, in uh, in this case. 3D printer is another tool that you have on your shop floor. Like you have a hammer, uh, you have a wrench, uh, uh, you have something else, and you have a 3D printer. Right. But this, this, this tool has the potential to, to become so much more, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this is uh, a market already. And um, the tools and molds market is uh, estimated at 40 billion US dollar uh, at the moment. And the penetration of 3D printing into the tools and molds market is about 4 or 5%. Uh, so there is a, a still quite some potential for growth. For prototyping, the prototyping market is uh, 10 times smaller. So it's about 4 or 5 billion. And the penetration of 3D printing there is up to 70, 80%. So it's, it's but, done. Uh, I- when when we spoke before, uh, you you mentioned to me that what was good about that was working with these companies that are creating prototypes. You are there the, then with them throughout their entire yeah. uh, growth as they ramp up and become, uh, yeah. you know, more industrial. And this is what we want to offer uh, to all these companies out there uh, is that we want our technology for production for manufacturing of end use parts. And this is still a very rare case with 3D printing because it's very hard to get into the design and supply chains of a bigger companies. Um, so, but we have these emerging hardware markets uh, like UAVs and drones, robotics, like service robotics, uh, mobility, like micro mobility, e-mobility, uh, uh, private space and a few more where new companies are building new uh, products uh, with new bright ideas with uh, uh, from scratch and uh, uh, here is a big uh, pro- is a big challenge and a big problem for the hardware companies and we know it as a hardware company so it's very easy to make a prototype uh, and you can be easily excited with your success when you're make a prototype and mm-hmm. you can start selling and you can get a, a lot of sales based on uh, what you have demonstrated to your customers based on your prototype. And then you easily overpromise. You say, okay, uh, now uh, I got to deliver thousand uh, or thousands of products to my customers in the next six months because I've already built one. So mm-hmm. building a thousand more is not a, an issue. But then when you start going into production, uh, you have to redo everything. You have to redesign everything. And there is uh, m- many more like challenges with supply chain, storage, handling, uh, uh, everything. And uh, uh, this is where most of the hardware companies fail. Uh, uh, it, can, it, it can take years before you really polish that and before you really can get a good quality products uh, coming out of your production line. Uh, but 3D printing, if you use it for, for, for prototyping and if the technology uh, is good enough so that y- you can also use it for production, I mean, good enough, I mean, quality, productivity, everything, yeah? uh, then switching from prototyping to production is going to be much easier. So if you use the same technology for making your prototype, uh, and then you use the same technology, maybe 
a, a different machinery, I don't know, more, more industrial machinery uh, for, for production. And then you can scale through this micro factories. So that's what I told in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and if we can help with our technology, if we can help these companies to be successful with prototyping and with bringing their product to the market, and then uh, they are ready to scale, they start getting traction, they start getting customers, uh, venture capital, whatever. Uh, and then uh, if they are happy and if they're successful with uh, the technology that we offer, uh, then uh, we can grow together with them and help them to scale. From my point of view, this is the only way for 3D printing to go into mass production. Right, uh, through right. scaling together. Uh, so basically building this new uh, manufacturing paradigm together with uh, the companies. Uh, the, this is our main focus. Yeah, We want to find these guys who are struggling with making their prototypes, help them to be successful uh, faster, uh, help them to uh, win the market uh, and scale. Well, good luck with it. And one thing I wanted to to raise, you mentioned that uh, you, you started in Moscow, you're a Russian company. Uh, with everything that's going on right now geopolitically, uh, has that affected your attempts to connect with customers? Uh, what, what's that like? Uh, yeah, it was a mess, but uh, basically we when we just had our first product uh, four years ago and we were still in Russia and then we we start selling out of Russia and then we immediately understood that it's uh, uh, a huge problem. Yeah. And uh, uh, in 2018, we actually moved our headquarters to Luxembourg and we kept the research uh, team in Moscow. We start building a business team and commercial team and we start production. We start producing uh our printers uh, in Luxembourg. And now, yeah, since a couple of years, our machines are made in Luxembourg, which is, <laughs> which may sound weird, but uh, actually it's a good... Uh, You're becoming more international and, and, and getting around that, that problem. And we were basically slowly moving uh, the team uh, from uh, Moscow to Europe. Uh, and uh, like, and just recent events, uh, they forced us to... Ac- accelerate this process. <laughs> right, right. So in March, we, we've made a decision to completely close our Russian office. So the office is not operational since 1st of June. Um, and it's uh, the company uh, yeah, will legally uh, shut down in some months. And we're moving basically everyone uh, whom we had uh, in the R&D team in Moscow to Europe to two locations uh, in Luxembourg and in Germany. And, well, fair enough, uh, fair enough. It's a, a bold step to, to, to be forced to take, so, you know. Yeah, and uh, there was always, uh, we, we always understood that risk of having team and connection to Russia because it was uh, already toxic before, and mm. we are uh, lucky enough not to get any money from the Russian government or... Uh, Russian government-related so investors. Yeah, so we are lucky enough to be independent uh, um, uh, and taking our own decisions on where we want to be and which uh, uh, country, which market we want to settle. And uh, 
it, yeah, so we had these plans because we always under uh, realized this toxicity. And, but now all these risks are just immediately realized. So it's, uh, uh, it was a risk uh, before uh, February. Now it's not a risk, it's a reality uh, when the risk became a reality. Uh, well, fair, yes. fair enough for making, making that bold step. And um, uh, the future is bright. As you say, the revolution is around the corner. Um, we've come to the end of our time, though. So I'm going to wrap up the show uh, the same way we do every week by asking our guests to tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable. What, what could you not live without? No, it's obviously smartphones. Smartphones are uh, the, uh, the biggest uh, uh, thing. of uh, Because you, you know how I see it. Yeah? Uh, I, I call it homo mobilicus. <laughs> so okay. uh, your smartphone is uh, basically now a, is an extension of, uh, of your uh, biological uh, capabilities, mm. which makes you connected instantaneously to the whole world, to all information that was ever uh, uh, created by humankind just immediately so that's yeah, yeah. and that an, an extension to your brain uh, which makes you and uh, basically which makes you and you like superior uh, species <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 and i'm i know that uh, uh, there's always been this discussion of kids being too much uh, w- in smartphones uh, but yeah this is basically new species they they live in the, in they, they have this extended brain now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, I'm sure everyone's listening to this on their smartphones right now. So it's, you know, we're, we're in their heads and, uh, it's here to stay, isn't it? Well, well, thanks so much for filling us in on, on, you know, such a fascinating, um, world that, that, that's coming with 3d printing. So all it leaves me to say is thanks to today's guest, Fedor Antonov. Thanks so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed the interview. Subscribe to this podcast at all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Music. Thanks for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm your host, Stuart Black. See you next time.